Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Educator Essentials, the podcast where we talk with our members about success stories, best practices, and strategies for faculty, preceptors, and those involved in the education of the pharmacy workforce. My name is Gina Galanovuchin. I'm the Director of Member Relations for the Section of Pharmacy Educators and Section of Community Pharmacy Practitioners, and today I will be serving as your host. We have the pleasure of having with us Dr. Jackie Wazenchuk. And she is going to talk to us about how she helped implement a skills fair at her institution to enhance IPPE readiness and the impact it has on student outcomes and performance during IPPEs or IPPEs or however your institution calls them. So thank you for joining us today, Jackie. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to share on our college's success and the implementation of our IPPE skills fair and IPPE readiness. We look forward to exploring those. It's a very unique, unique program. So just to give our audience a little bit of background, we first met Jackie while we she was presenting her poster at the ASHP Annual Pharmacy Preceptors Conference. So that's where we kind of got a glimpse of what she's been doing at her institution. And we thought it touches on a number of important topics that many programs are struggling with, especially related to IPPE readiness. So let's get right into it. Let's start by telling us a little bit about your institution and your role, and then also talking a little bit about the IPPE sites and the feedback that led to the creation of the program. So we smooth the audience into it in case they haven't seen your poster. Yeah, so uh, at Jefferson College of Pharmacy, uh, we have our IPPE scheduled to take place about once a week throughout the fall and spring semesters from P1 to P3 year. And they usually last three to six hours per session each week, just depending on what year the students are in. And we've had positive feedback from students that this really helps to reinforce what they learn in the classroom. So our P1s and P2s, they generally have rotations in either service learning, community pharmacy, ambulatory care. And then we also have a general pharmacy, hospital pharmacy rotation. And then it's within their P3 year, we actually have the students spend one semester at a direct inpatient care site where they become members of an acute care team and they take part in interprofessional rounds. They help to develop inpatient pharmaceutical care plans and then are able to provide responses to drug information questions. And prior feedback from our IPI site partners really has been that Oftentimes students may struggle when they come on site initially, they just either feel like they're not confident or they have somewhat a lack of awareness of their surroundings, just presumably due to the limited amount of opportunities that these students have in direct patient care prior to this point in their education. So this then leads us to the idea of how the skills fair was developed. So it was actually at a a different conference in uh, July, 2019, where uh, the idea originated after an oral presentation just on in general experiential readiness. So it was after this presentation that three of the faculty members that are co-authors of this project, they got together and thought, you know, wouldn't it be really nice to better prepare our students for their acute care clinical practice sites? And then after that, we had further brainstorming, which essentially led us to what was what would be covered in the skills fair prior to their first day on their practice site, really focusing in on what's the most important for them to know. 
And then, for example, some of the things that we wanted to make sure were included were making sure they know how to use an EMR to be able to work up a patient. We also thought it was important that we provide these skills from their perspective that this would be their first rotation where they had really covered the amount of didactic material necessary to be able to provide that real-life pharmacologic and therapeutic recommendations. We then further developed the skills fair in collaboration with our practice sites. So this includes our main practice site at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. And it was really through that collaboration that we were able to get additional feedback on what would be important to include and what would really help to strengthen students' preparedness. And then we were able to actually have then our first skills fair in August 2019. And we've had one each semester since. That's great. I love how the IPPE at your school is really a longitudinal experience. And so students start with no experience and then they kind of build up to that. So it sounds like the skills fair helps reinforce some of those necessary skills that you mentioned up front and ease students and also ease the preceptors of the students into the experience as well. So tell us a little bit about what the fair looks like. So you mentioned that it helps translate the didactic knowledge into practice. And you said skills like EMR and and different activities like that. But what is the curriculum and and how was it designed? Sure. So the skills fair, we generally have at the very beginning of the semester. So within the first week, and they're on average about five hours in length. And we have 28 students that attend each semester. And we split the fair out into different modules, kind of as was discussed. So We had vetted these out just from our brainstorming sessions, and we made sure within our finalized agenda, we ultimately came down to making sure we did have that electronic health record system overview, drug information, knowing their patient surroundings, and then also including communications within an interprofessional inpatient team. And then we also did include a syllabus overview, and we also had P4s come in for a student panel discussion. And each individual module is about 40 minutes in length on average. We had the students themselves split up into groups of no more than 14 per group. And we had them rotate through each of these different modules during the fair. And we had several rooms booked such that they would be able to have different modules going on at the same time. And really this allowed for the smaller groups to help with engagement. And then this way too, students would be able to learn from each other and really be able to view the content we covered. So for example, we had a sim lab, which was of that of a patient's hospital room. And within that sim lab, we had a mannequin of a patient where the students would be able to view it and could see then within that mannequin, some of the things like common IV tubing, pumps or catheters that might be present. And then we also made sure we had other resources available, such as making sure they did have the EHR access. And we also wanted to make sure they had access to different library resources so that when they had drug information questions, they would be able to to use that for that. And then for the P4 API students, we had them come in for them to share their opportunity for them, how they prepared for their weekly IPIs and then how ultimately that prepared them for their appies and really just how much they were able to make the most out of this learning experience. 
And then some of the other things we had was just various resource documents on the materials we covered. And these were just available electronically so that students could reference these whenever they needed to. And we had things like progress note templates, a drug information referencing guide and different monitoring forms for them to use. So it sounds it's almost like a step-by-step exposure of the environment to the student. And I really like that they're able to see and touch almost the patient and and what it is that they'll be exposed to in the real real world, because it's different on a textbook and it's different to see it in as much uh, of a life science model as you can. So it sounds like there are five different modules you mentioned that the students complete within their IPPE training. Can you tell me about how the team developed each of the five modules, why you chose each, and then if year to year you find that there's changes depending on you know, the healthcare evolution or maybe strengths and weaknesses that you identify with the performance of students? Sure. So just going one by one. Uh, so with our first module, the main one we first main one we developed was really making sure that they knew their patient's surroundings, given that oftentimes we would find students might walk into a patient's room and would be tempted to look at the patient's TV versus actually looking directly at the patient. So (laughs) yeah, so we really did want to make sure that they were comfortable walking in and speaking directly to the patient. And then we also wanted to make sure too, they, they knew where to look for things like if a patient had a urinary catheter or whether or not to differentiate between like a central versus a peripheral line. And so we had this communications or knowing your patient's surrounding section where they learned all that. And then in addition, in that section, we made sure that they knew the different infection control procedures, such as the different types of PPE that they may be required to wear in the patient's room, just kind of depending on the the patient's isolation status. And then our next main topic that we looked at was doing an overview of the EHR system. So we're lucky that we have an EHR system that is used at most of our hospital sites. And oftentimes, prior to this fair, we found that students might spend their first few hours at the fair or even days just trying to orient themselves on how to log into the system and how to even just like get through a patient's chart on the system. So having this session really provided them the chance to be able to learn how to get into it faster, such that then when they're they're on site, they can go right into working up a patient. At least they've seen it before and interacted with it before the first day. Yeah, that's a that's a very mm-hmm. big deal. Yep. Yeah. So that definitely let them get into things at a much more deeper level early on. And then also the next section, we wanted to make sure that they were aware of and that they had covered before coming on site was just having communications within an acute care team. So this is kind of where they had to realize what the chain of command was when they're on a rounding team. So given this was the first time a lot of these students had ever rounded, they may otherwise be unaware of the process. And we also wanted to make sure students were aware that there could be different styles of communication or rounding, just depending on the practice site. And we wanted to make sure that they knew who would be in charge during the rounding. So thinking about the attending physician and then who would be the most appropriate person to ask a question on. So for example, if a student wanted to ask a question related to 
a drug, would it thinking, having them think through what would be most appropriate to ask maybe the appy student that they, is there on site at the same time as them or asking, say, the medical resident and having them think through who is really the most appropriate person for that. Then we had our fourth module, which was a patient workup. So here is where we wanted to create that bridge from their didactic learning to then pharmacy practice. Because at this point within the didactic curriculum, students could have already had to develop care plans and had specific cases, depending on the content that was covered within the pharmacotherapy courses. And then within these specific cases, they would often have a specific problem to focus on versus how it is in the real world where you're just given a patient profile without any sort of prompt. So really this module was really meant to serve as that bridge from the real life versus what they had seen in the classroom. And then our last main module was an overview of drug information and making evidence-based recommendations with supportive documentation. So at this point, students would have had already taken the drug information and literature evaluation course during the fall of their P2 year, but we had found that having a refresher is really helpful to just reinforce important concepts for things as making sure they're being systematic with their literature searches, making sure they're using current and reputable resources, and then also making sure that they really know how to properly reference when they're providing their drug information responses. And then we did have a couple other sessions where, which included a syllabus overview, just making sure they're very clear on what is expected of them when they're on site. And then as mentioned earlier, we also had that P4 student discussion. And this is where P4 students really provided their insights as to their direct inpatient care IPIs, just to emphasize just how high the expectations are. And as far as the evolution of the skills fair, a lot of that has come through just quality improvement feedback from the students and the preceptors. So for example, it was noted by a couple of students when within our first couple of iterations of the fair that there was maybe some amount of repetitiveness when we had gone through just that EHR overview and then went to the patient workup. So this essentially led us to combine those two modules actually into one now. So we have our co-authors, Amber King and Bhavik Shah. They're able to present their insights to work up to working up a patient using the EHR. And this also provides the students with different approaches for them to consider when they're putting that into practice. And some of the other changes that kind of evolved over time is now we actually have a P4 student video for students to review as needed. And then we also have made modifications safe to the drug information module just to try to provide more practice questions and key resources. That is quite the undertaking. That's a lot of components and a lot of moving pieces. I love the evolution that you described and some different changes here and there. Obviously, some of it stays the same because it's it's always the same practice, but very intriguing to also hear about the P4 uh, module and development as well. So great. Great overview there. I appreciate you sharing. So as far as, so now that we have the structure, I just wanted to know a little bit about the implementation piece. So as someone who may be thinking about doing this in their own institution, is there one point person who just manages the entire curriculum or is it managed by several people who are orchestrated in in one? Walk us through the management piece. Sure. So from the time we had the 
first idea to have the skills fair from the time of our first implementation, we did have a really short amount of time. And we did have, though, a lot of different planning meetings just to really verify the sections that were covered and the general structure of it. We divided the sessions up just depending on our areas of expertise. So Andy Joseph was definitely the main point person to get everything coordinated. So Andy Joseph is the assistant director of experiential education at Jefferson College of Pharmacy. And she really made sure that the students were in attendance. And we did have this as a required event as part of the students IP course. It's a big step, making sure there's students there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So she really helped out with making sure, yeah, they were there when they needed to be. um, And then just making sure everything runs smoothly And then we also had doctors Bobak Shah and Amber King, who are associate professors here, and they headed the sections on the EHO overview. They also led the patient workup and communication sections. And then we also had Dr. Dominique Fields, who's the director of experiential education, and then also uh, Dr. Angela Nace, who's the field coordinator, along with Andy Joseph. They headed the sessions on knowing your patient surroundings. And also that group was also able to get direct verbal feedback from our preceptors at the different practice sites early on, just to ensure the continued success of the program. And then we also had uh, Dr. Elena in agnostics uh, be able to come on and provide her insights as an education coordinator and a drug information pharmacist at the Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. So that was our uh, main practice site. And she also helped me in the development of the drug information module in addition to myself. So for me, then, yeah, I I helped to coordinate that drug information section. And I was also the point person for the scholarship of the fair. And seeing that each of us was working on a, a different aspect to really make sure everything was well put together and we knew who should be where and when, we did have a quick practice run about a week before. So just going to our rooms, making sure everything was booked. We had all the resources available to the students. The distribution is important just to share the workload because it is such a big project to start with, especially if you've never done it before. Uh, But the expertise is is so crucial too in bringing the points that are most relevant based on your practice. So I appreciate you sharing that as others might be thinking of, of doing the same thing. So then moving into more of the assessment of the program, How do you gauge the success and what kind of feedback have you received so far in both from the preceptors who may have seen the students that are now going through the orientation before coming to them, but also students who may be exposed for the very first time to this this five-hour training? Most of our feedback we've received, both just in terms of student knowledge and confidence in the fair, has been in the form of the surveys. So these surveys were developed by all of us in the skills fair. So for the students, we had three surveys we invited them to complete. So this included a pre-survey, which was sent about a day prior to the fair. Then we had a post-survey that was sent immediately after the fair concluded. And then we actually had also a second post-survey sent at the very end of the semester after they would have completed their direct inpatient care IPI. So all the surveys for this included 10 multiple choice questions to assess their knowledge on the content that we covered. 
For example, one of our knowledge questions was asking, what is the most accurate way to determine if a patient has a Foley catheter? Where we had answer choices being to either ask the nurse or medical resident or to look up in the electronic medical record or to actually look at the patient where the students may not necessarily realize or be confident in their correct answer to begin with, but we would cover this in the fair. So then by the end, they would hopefully know the correct answer. And then in addition to these knowledge questions, we had seven Likert scale statements that assessed students' confidence on these topics. So we used a five point scale where we had one meaning strongly disagree and five meaning that they strongly agreed that they were confident in the areas covered throughout the fair. And we also had additional questions on the post surveys to really assess the students just overall satisfaction and then also their satisfaction with each of the individual modules. And then we, the investigators, we looked at the pre and post surveys starting from our first session starting in fall 2019 to then spring of 2021. And we did analyze the data to see if there was a statistically significant difference between the knowledge and confidence survey questions. And for these four skill sessions that we had assessed, we had 106 students in attendance. And we've had, we did have a large number of students that said, yes, this definitely should be recommended in the future and have this for future students with about 96% of those students saying, yes, we should require this. And then for the knowledge questions, we did find a statistical difference in the average percent correct from the pre to post. So from the Pre to the first post survey, we had about a difference of 30%. So they scored 30% better. And then we also had those knowledge questions on our second post survey at the end of the semester. And that was also significant with students scoring on average about 25% better on the second post compared to the pre-survey. And then for the Likert scale statements, uh, we did also find that on average, students went from feeling just neutral about their confidence in these skills in the pre-survey. And then by the end, they did agree that they are confident in these skills. So some of the examples of the Likert scale questions we had here were feeling prepared to navigate the electronic medical record when working up a patient, and then also feeling confident to develop evidence-based clinical recommendations with appropriate literature. And then in addition to the student surveys, we actually also developed a survey for our site preceptors. So we invited them for the survey in fall of 2020 and spring of 2021. And we designed it to be a retrospective pre-post asking preceptors to reflect on what they thought of students' confidence before we had implemented the FAIR to then after the implementation. And we looked at this data descriptively and we did have a large response rate. So out of our 58 total preceptors, we had 37 uh, actually complete the survey. And then of those, there was also a large number, uh, 30 that said they would recommend this also be required in the future. So it was nice to see that match and align with what the students had thought and the preceptors also responded that just in general, students did seem like they had a higher confidence. And a lot of their free text comments were also aligned with that. So we had, for example, one preceptor note, 
that students are more well-prepared and ready to perform their assigned tasks. That's good feedback. And I love how you have quantified it. I mean, it's it's just good data there to have and just be knowing that it is impactful and that students and preceptors are finding it valuable. So for those of you interested in implementing it, I think this is just a good encouraging additional piece of data to consider as you're venturing into this and maybe even developing a different survey mechanism as well. So I, I really like the, the comments that you received there. And in thinking about this program and thinking about its evolution, even beyond an IPPE function, can you see this being translatable for APIs? I know API readiness is something that a lot of us do discuss a lot. And so do you think that there may be a place for that in, in that context? Oh, definitely. I would say for IPPEs, translating it into APIs is definitely something that can be done. So here we do have a general orientation for APIs that cover a lot of the same topics, just in a more abbreviated format. So we still provide an overview of electronic health records and how to work up a patient. But what we have found is that when we have this IPI skills fair, that when students come for their API orientations, that they do have more meaningful discussions. And that we really see just from their subsequent exposures to these topics. And this really helps them to be able to get even more out of their API experiences as they've already covered a lot of that orientation stuff early on. We also found that the inclusion of the API students as one of our modules in the skills fair has been a great addition as these API students can really provide their meaningful insight from their experiences, given that they would have completed their IPI relatively recently. And this also helps to incorporate some amount of layered learning where the API student is unable to help to provide education to that IPI student. Learning touches is really good in that regard and helping that mentorship and builds confidence, I think, for both too, as you're thinking about it. So this has been so, so good so far, and I know we're nearing the end. So before we let you go, I did want to say and ask if you have any words of wisdom for, for those interested in the program from your experience in implementing this or being part of the development team. What would you like to share with our listeners today? There are a lot of different ways that this skills fair for IPI readiness could be modified or adjusted, really just depending on the needs of the institution and its practice sites. I do have some uh, general suggestions that could be applied to different IPI prep programs. So the first couple would be to really try to keep those cohorts of students relatively small and to have the fair as close as possible to when the IPIs might start their rotation. And for the first part about keeping the cohort small of to about eight to 14 students, we found ideal to really help keep the sessions interactive and really for then the students to be able to get insights from each other. And then for the timing, we found that it's really worked well to do about a week before just so that these skills are fresh in their minds and really then helps them get deeper into the tasks earlier on in the rotation. And then another suggestion would just to make sure you have enough time to plan for rooms, make sure you have the sim labs available and just any other resources booked well ahead of time without having to scramble at the last minute. The biggest piece of advice though that I could offer for a successful fair would just to establish collaborations with each of the practice sites, preceptors and students 
It was really through all this constructive feedback that led us to the modules that were developed and refined over time. And this has in turn led to more positive feedback with each iteration of the fair and really ensures that the IPI students are ready to jump right in once they're at their practice site. And this really enables them to be able to work up patients, verify their drug therapies, and ultimately provide recommendations to an inpatient care team. This is, this is very insightful. Thank you for sharing. Very good information, very thorough. I think it's, it's a model worth noticing and, and worth reproducing for those of you who might have interest in this as well. So I do want to thank you for joining us today to discuss this, this skills fair and walking us through all the different components and the implementation. For those of you listening, if you haven't before, I do encourage you to check out ASHP's Educator Resources and the National Preceptors Conference next year for more content like this. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as the Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, the podcast, and then exchange ideas with other preceptors within the educator community on ASHP Connect. So thank you again, everyone, for tuning in uh, for this episode. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and be sure to subscribe to ASHP Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.